Back in the 1500s, in northern Jalisco, there lived a group of people known as the Cascanes Indians. They were a nomadic group of fighters that were the last of their kind to be conquered by the Spaniards. Their fighting spirit lives on today with a brand as focused on the lost art of tequila making, as well as using a water source that runs deep beneath these ancient tribal lands. We're going to hear their story and taste a bit of history on this episode of The Agave Social Club Podcast, hosted by me, Doug Price. Welcome to the Agave Social Club Podcast. I'm your host, Doug Price. My guests today are two of the owners of Cascanes Tequila. I'm here with John Paul Fortunati and Jose Santian. Guys, thank you so much for being here and welcome. Thanks for having us, Doug. Thanks for having us here. John Paul, just meeting you for the first time, Jose and I, we, we go way back. We got to spend a few days together in Mexico where they were long days. And I think we, we covered a lot of ground there in Mexico, visiting a handful of different distilleries. And, and one of the distilleries that we visited was NOM 1599, the Familia Lenderos. And that is where Cascanes is coming out of. Before we talk about the distillery and the tequila, I wanted to see if you guys could just tell me a little bit about your backgrounds and, and what's the story that led you to Cascanes. John Paul, why don't you go first? Basically, uh, the company was founded by Jose and my two brother-in-laws. I don't know how far back now. We're probably talking probably close to over eight years ago. They met up and with the idea of creating this uh, tequila project. So my brother-in-law, Colin, is a winemaker who has oh, okay. an, a, an amazing palate, right? So he, he actually grows his own grapes, produces his own wine, and he's been doing that for a while now. It's mostly for a hobby and for a gift and stuff like that. He doesn't do it on any commercial scale. He had an interest in getting into tequila. And so during this discovery mission, his brother, Chris, actually ran into Jose's cousin. And then Jose's cousin hooked him up with Jose. Then they started going down to Mexico and started initially, like, you know, I think it was some of the distillery tours to try to figure out if someone was going to make some tequila for him. But all those guys ever want, to do, ever want to do is just produce what they're already, the juice they produce, maybe with some yeah. different additives put it in a different bottle, different package. That wasn't going to fly for Colin. I mean, he, like I said, his, he, he's got an amazing palate. Just to give you an example here, one of my other relatives is a wine snob, just complete wine snob. And so like his, all his vacations are centered around wine. He, he says that there isn't a bottle of wine that he's tasted that he doesn't remember. He's got, I don't know how many uh, wine refrigerators in his house that are just filled with wine, right? I mean, it's, it's his passion and he's totally into it. So what he always does is every family function, he brings three bottles of wine wrapped in paper bags and he brings them to Colin and, it, and he plays this game called Stump the Colin. So he gives them these bottles of wine and he has them taste them. And with 95% accuracy, Colin's able to tell you the, the grape, the, the region, the year. And he'll taste it and say, okay, this is whatever. I'm not into wine, so I can't tell you, but he'll tell you, okay, it's this grape. And I, it, it tastes like this soil profile. It's from this area. I can tell that there was maybe a drought year. So this was probably this year. <laughs> it, I mean, it's crazy. I mean, it's, it's amazing. And then, and he, he blows away my other relative every time. And he's able to, to, to nail the grape variety, the year and the region. I mean, it, it, so that's how crazy his palate is. So Colin went down to Mexico to, to do a tequila, but he wanted to do it right. And he wanted to do it his way. He didn't want to just take somebody else's juice and, and, and bottle it. So after a little bit of time there, I think there was some frustration because that kind of doesn't exist. But through their journeys, they were able to find a guy in the jungle that was producing tequila, a guy named Umberto. 
So Colin started apprenticing with Umberto. He went down there for, I think, over a year, might have been longer, going there and working with Umberto to produce tequila. And this this is a, a place you have to drive. Been there. Jose took me there. You've got to take a four by four there. You got to drive through rivers. And you're going, it's the middle of nowhere. I mean, you're driving and going, okay, where are we going? I mean, and it just keeps going. You'll finally get to this town that it's actually where the original Salsa distillery was. The the original oh, Salsa uh, chimney stack is still there. So it's a little town, maybe 30 people live there. But the whole commerce for that town is tequila. So Umberto produces tequila and he literally will trade goods and services with his tequila. It's kind of funny. But And everybody's around there drinking his tequila. He produced, he made his own oven. He made his own shredder. The shredder has, it's an inline Chevy six-cylinder connected to a stick shift transmission that is hooked to this thing that they they produce that, that is, they literally hand welded this thing. So they'll throw the, they cook the agaves, they throw it in the shredder, and then they literally hand squeeze all the piñas to get the juice out. And then there's a still that they produced. So Colin learned how to make tequila from this guy, super old school method. But the tequila was amazing. I mean, the, Colin used to bring it back up here for all the family functions and everybody would just rave about it. But when they had that, they thought, oh, maybe we can scale this, you know, do what he's doing and scale it, use it, and yeah. you know, build a distillery in this region. But it wouldn't pass the CRT test because they were he was actually making the tequila with the river water. And the river water wasn't necessarily 100% clean, right? So okay. th- that, that wasn't going to work. But it did give them, it gave them a base and it gave them a recipe and it gave them an idea. So then from there, they started trying to find a distiller that would produce the tequila with his recipe and, you know, using the methods that he learned. They found Familia Landeros that was producing tequila just for the Mexican market. It wasn't, they didn't have a NOM yet. They weren't CRT certified. They were just making agave distillates. When they worked with Chico, Colin worked with Chico to to do the recipe. And And this is master distiller, Don Chico. Correct. Yeah. Don Chico, correct, from from, uh, Familia Landeros. So once Colin and him were able to work together for a while, I mean, they had a, a, a great relationship. They were able to produce the tequila to Colin's liking. And then, so basically from there, uh, they said, hey, we'll help get you guys CRT certified. We'll help get the NOM. And then Jose was instrumental in getting all that done. So basically, that's that's what happened. They got that, they get all certified. They got everything taken care of. And now we produce there. Now we have a great relationship with them. We're partnered up with them. And uh, they produced the tequila for us. And that was, a, a you're saying, a six, seven-year process of, of really laying that foundation or even longer? We start. I met up with Colin and Chris, I think it was... Early 2014, that was like the first trip. Uh, we and then they came in for several several uh, trips, and then you know just taking pictures, going everywhere, just trying to learn as much as we could from the outside, right? Right. When then we decided our company was formed in 2015. So yes, we've okay. been on. We've been on. We were formalized in 2015. And then from then on, it's been a it's been a long journey. And, and Jose, you know, look, I, I got to spend some time with you, and a lot of people know you. And you've got a lot of knowledge on, you know, agave farming. You've you've kind of walked through. You are boots on the ground and a guy that, you know, you want to have on your team. And so, you know, talk to me through this process. I mean, as you guys getting them CRT certified, I mean, what was that journey like? And what what challenges? Would, did that take longer than you thought? Was that easier than you thought? Or what was that like to actually get a distillery that can actually be something that can make tequila for the American market? At that moment, uh, like uh, JP said, the distillery only sold distillates and it wasn't certified by the CRT, which basically means that they're the ones letting you use the word tequila and then they follow up throughout the process and all that stuff. So a lot of people don't do that because there's a fee that you know you end up paying. So so basically the, the facility uh, wasn't certified. The process took about six months. 
And there's actually a fee you have to pay someone to help you out and like put cement on this side, you know, fix this door, paint it this way, put it all, all, all sorts of things. So we got into negotiation with them. We're like, hey, we want to make tequila, but you guys aren't certified. So let's work together. And it was about a six month process so that we could be tequila. And it was you know beneficial for them as well. The process, it's basically a paperwork, paperwork. And then there's a person from the CRT that comes in and then we have to do two batches. The actual process uh, of the CRT being, you know, certification is making a, a production batch. Okay, so that you guys had to make a few batches for them to see. You've brought the the distillery up to a standard that they wanted to see, and then they finally said, "Okay, we we can certify you. You 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 get your nom." And do you guys know? I mean, how how do you get a nom? Is that something that they just have these numbers and they assign it to you? Does that come out in a order of how many distilleries have been registered, or what? What can you tell me about that? At that moment, uh, our number was 1599. So yes, the more that come in, so there'll be 1601, 1604, 1614. They said that's how they do the numbers. I don't know exactly what the first number is. I've seen some tens. I know there. I think yeah, there's some tens exactly. as well. So they just numerically going through it. Mm-hmm. You guys laid this foundation. Collins met this this ancient master distiller there out on the land, and and we go back Cascanes and talk to me about the name because there there is history. Here that goes back a long way. How, how did you guys come to this name and talk a little bit about what Cascanes means? It's named after the Cascanes indigenous people. So they're from the region of Jalisco, around there, around where the distillery is, around where we actually get our water source. Uh, so basically, the Cascanes Indians are the last indigenous people to be conquered by the Spaniards. Some okay. There's some folklore that they were never conquered, but I mean, I think we all know history that everybody was conquered by the Spaniards, but the Spaniards said it was one of their longest and most expensive wars. I mean, they. I, I think at some point, some of the readings that I've read, they almost considered giving up the fight. But ultimately, the Cuscanas the Indians or the Cuscanas indigenous people succumbed and the rest is history. But it, they do have a, an intense fighting spirit. And so that's one of the reasons why we chose that, that name. The name, actually, it took us almost a year to find it. It's not like, hey, here's a name. It did take us quite a long time to find that name. Is it because sometimes, you know, you may have a name and then you have to check with trademark or registry and it's not available or it's not. And then Cascanes, you you guys finally hit it and you said, this is it. Exactly. Exactly. So Nam 1599, you guys were there. You, you laid a lot of that foundation work to get it to where it can be at 1599. To me, 1599 is the epitome of a, a boutique small batch distillery. I mean, there's there's very few brands that are being made there. At, at the beginning of the year, I had another brand that is made there, Atanasio. They were on the show and, and got to meet Francisco and Franco Perez and, and really great dudes. Jose, I know I know you know those guys. John Paul, I know you, you know those guys. And, and Francisco just continued to invite me and say, man, I want to bring you to the distillery. And as I was recently there, I thought, okay, let me, let me go ahead. And I wanted to meet him. He was very generous. So I wanted to to see it for myself, but you don't fully understand the magic of that distillery, how amazing that distillery is until you go there. And I had the honor to, to hang out there for the better part of a day. And this really is small batch. We're driving there, passing all these massive distilleries. And then we go off, you know, the, the main road, you see all these agaves and you pull up to it's, 
it's not a large facility and walking through it. So talk to me about the distillery as, as we get through the process of making this tequila, talk to me about this distillery. And when you guys saw it for the first time, when you were getting it ready, I mean, what was that thought process like as you're walking through, as we now turn to making this Blanco? Well, that, that distillery, since the moment that we got in, well, actually, my brother's brother-in-law is also partner in Familia Landero. So there's some sort of connection. You know, there's, okay, there's, so there's a tie in there. There's a tie in there. Because of him, we were able to connect with Familia Landero. The first time that we went, that was 2017, I believe. Yeah, 2017. Colin okay. and I Colin and I have been the ones that have always spent more time in, during the process and uh, the facility. So we went to the facility to start, we, we felt the vibe. And it was exactly like what you're saying with Francisco. They opened, you know, the doors for us 100%. We were able to work together. We've been working together since. It's just a magical place. That, that's how we yeah. call it. It's a magical place. We feel it. On top of it, having like Don Chico and all the workers there that have always been super humbled, super good everything it's just it's magical it's something that you feel and did you do a ton of i know you've got a tie in there but were there all these other distillery tours and they just said hey this is the juice we're going to make like you said before and you said that's not what we're looking for and and it really got to i mean how many did you go through before you ended up at 1599 we went through a lot of the big facilities just as local tours but okay we got to uh, we were lucky enough that when we got to Familia Landeros, we were able to work together with Colin and Don Chico to create our profile or how we want it, and we never moved. I mean, we, we got there, and we loved it. They were able to work with us. We've been able to work with them, and we didn't see many other distilleries. It's, it's kind of like family now when we go there. I mean, like, I, I've been going there now. It's, it's only been about a year and a half. Yeah, because I came, on, I came into the company in May 2020, right, Jose? Yeah. I think somewhere around there, March, May. But every time I've gone to the distillery, they're so gracious. Everybody is just, like you said, Francisco and Caesar and uh, Renee. And I mean, all, all, everybody down there is just, it's just, yeah. they're great. All the employees, Chico's awesome. I mean, you're, I mean, I can name everybody. I mean, it, but I mean, everybody's just, just great. I mean, it's, and it's like a small, tight knit, you know, group of people. Literally, it's like family every time we go there. I just, I, lo- I get excited, like looking forward to seeing everybody. It, it just has that vibe and it's not like a, a, a big, factory like you know some of the places you see it's it's like home when you go there i mean that's how that's i guess way to best way to describe it i mean jose and i we always look forward to going there yeah you can walk through it i mean you walk in you walk through that gate and and right there to the left is a beautiful patio area where i know you guys enjoy bringing people out to to really experience this it's it's a little distillery you've got i think one autoclave Mm -hmm. in, in there you've got one shredder and we'll talk through the process and then you go out and there's distillation and it's all right there. I mean, it, it is a boutique small batch. And when we talked about the size, the guys were saying, when we need to add on, we'll add on. When we need to, I mean, we can grow. There's a lot of agaves. They're, they own a lot of those fields right there. They have a pretty good supply of agaves. So, so basically when we produce tequila, everything is a single estate batch with each batch, right? So one of the one of the people that was he's a partner in the in the distillery. What we call his name is Victor. We call him uh, the Agave Whisperer. So what he does, he's been doing this for over forty years. So he goes and he looks for the best agave available. And so when he does find it, he'll let us know. 
Like for example, the last time Jose and I were, well, last time, one of the last times I was out there, he had a field for us to look at. So we drove out there, we had to take Jose's four by four. I mean, this was like pretty treacherous journey. I mean, we're driving over obsidian, thinking our tires are going to pop. I mean, literally grounds just, just littered with obsidian. And we, when we finally get to the top of the mountain, this is the field. Victor was with us. And so what we did is we were negotiating with a guy, okay, this, we want to take this much agave. We always do this, but it's basically, we pick the agave. So we're not going to just take the entire field. We want to hand select every single agave. Like for that last, that last deal we did, it, it was already sold to someone else. But we said, hey, if we take, we'll hand select everything. You can sell the rest to Herdura, which is who wanted to buy it. So they don't care. You know, I mean, it doesn't yeah, matter yeah, to yeah. them. But we want the best. We want the, the, the ripest, the highest bricks levels. So we're able to do that. And so every time we're producing a batch, it's going to be from a single estate. We're not blending. We're not taking commodity agave. So we're able to hand select that. So, I mean, that's kind of like the magic of it. And I mean, each batch will be slightly different because the fruit is different. But if you're not using additives, you're always going to have slightly different flavor profiles just because yeah, the it fruit's is different. what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And you, you talked about that obsidian. So this is uh, lowlands. This is valley Correct. agaves. You know, that obsidian a lot of times comes from it was the, the volcano there that has, mm-hmm. has helped in that, that soil there. So these are valley agaves. I've got the Blanco. I've got the Reposado. I've got the Añejo in front of me. Talk us through the process. We talked a little bit about the fields and these agaves, but talk us through making this tequila going up to the Blanco and then we'll stop at the Blanco. Sure. Oh, oh I, one thing I was going to say, which is slightly different that we do, I mean, from a lot of people is we're particular with our water source. So you'll hear a lot of people, they're saying deep well and stuff like that. But in a, in a lot of, in a lot of the cases, deep well is just city water. I mean, so it's, it's coming in and then they're just, they're just using that water. Some people have wells that are on site, but a, a lot of times that's not the case. So we actually truck our water in from Hostotipaquillo. Well, it's the Neviche Spring, which is near Hostotipaquillo. Hostotipaquillo uses it as their drinking water. So okay. they, they actually tap into this spring, and then, of course, they treat it for the city. But we have a, we have a deal with the, the city there where we're able to take the water before it goes to their treatment plant. So we just bring a truck out there. This is, this is a journey. Like Jose and I, Jose's done it many times. I've done it, I've done it before. And you're driving like down these dirt roads, you're moving barbed wire fences out of the way. I mean, just to bring one of these huge, huge water truck down there. And this is multiple. I mean, you, I don't know how many barbed wire fences you have to open to get there and how many trees you're, you know, driving under. And then you finally get there and you, you know, you're literally filling this truck up with water and then driving it back to the distillery. And we've got to make multiple trips to do that. And that's the water we use to produce our tequila. So it, 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 it gives itself, it gives our tequila a, a different, you know, a minerality, I mean, it, it, yeah. it gives us the flavor that profile, profile. That, that, that we, that we like. And so that's why we continue to do that. I know it's, it's expensive and it's, it, it's laborious and everything like that, but we, we do it. Yeah. Well, you got two ingredients. You, mm-hmm. You've got agave and you've got water. I know you guys have a, a natural yeast there, but for that, I mean, it's like New York pizza. You know, they talk about those, those guys in New York pizza. I mean, they're, they're bringing in that water from somewhere to make their pizza dough because they really do believe that that profile is what they're going for. That's exactly what you guys are doing. And I would think that Colin with his palate, I mean, everything comes into play wanting to make sure it's exactly how he wants it. So you, you guys are, are bringing in this water. It's not even being filtered. It, it's before they get to their system, you're bringing in this water. And, and then we've got these agaves. Talk us through, we're, we're cooking these agaves. Like I said, there is an autoclave there. How long are we cooking these agaves? Just to finish up with the water, just so you know why we decided to do the Navici. When we were actually doing the recipe, the tequila from the jungle, had the water was good. It was 
from the river, but it was good. So we always wanted to find a good water source too. And Navichi is uh, spring water from my hometown of Ostotipaquillo. That's how we ended up going to that water so we had it analyzed. We our, our only option when we went to uh, Familia Landero was like, we'll do the tequila here, but we wanted to bring our own water. That's basically... Part of the deal was you had to be able to bring in your own water. And we were going to be different with that too. So you're bringing in this amazing water. You've got these agaves. We're now going in, we're, we're harvesting them, we're cutting them, we're stacking them in the autoclaves. How, how long are they being cooked? They're being cooked for about eight hours and then rest for another eight hours. And then we open the, the autoclave and then shred the next day. Okay. And there's a single shredder there, correct? There's a single shredder and one molino. So basically where we're, you know, it, it's a lot of work, a lot of labor. We sometimes have, depending on how good of the bricks levels are in the agave, the ARTs, it's how many times we have to, you know, in a wheelbarrow, you know, we catch the, the, the shredded agave and then we do it one, two, three, four, five times, six times, seven times, depending on how good of the agave is. You saw the space. It's it's small. Yeah, it's a, it's a small space. And then we're moving to fermentation. And talk to me about how long are we hanging? And this is a natural fermentation. Nothing's being added here during fermentation. Correct. It's typically typically two days is is, fermenta- is the fermentation. I mean, obviously, it, it, it kind of depends on the temperature, but that's that we don't like we don't like to ferment in the cooler cooler periods of the year because then the fermentation may go longer. So we try to avoid the end of the year, right, Jose? The rainy season. Mm-hmm. So fermentation, just a few days, and are we doing this? Is open air fermentation? Open air fermentation, open air fermentation, stainless steel tanks, and then we're getting like the natural inoculation from the. I don't know if you noticed when you're at the at the property across the way. There's some plums and there's avocados and there's some. I mean, there's just different different fruit trees that are around there that will help. You know influence the the flavor profile you're getting that natural yeast from those plants around there and plus there's agave i mean you saw there's agave all around the, the facility so we're getting those those natural influences oh yeah all of that's coming into play anything mm-hmm. in that air all of that's coming into play there for look this is nature that that field yeast natural fermentation and then we go to distillation we've got you know don chico francisco jimenez he's he's there i i saw him i saw him going through i mean he's meticulous with his note taking as he's going through making sure everything's exactly how he and colin really want it to be double distilling here cutting heads and tails and then getting to this blanco number nine Nine, this Blanco number nine, you told me you've got a high proof. I, I tried the high proof. This is at 50% at a hundred proof. So what what was the thought process on, you know, not dialing it back as a lot of times we're seeing it for this Blanco at a 40% or an 80 proof? Well, I mean, you know, obviously with, with any, any distillate like this, I mean, if you're going to an 80 proof, all you're really doing is just diluting it. So you're yeah. adding water. I mean, so what, what we like is the, uh, the agave, flavor. I mean, we want to, we have a, it's an agave bomb. I mean, it's super agave forward. And so we were just looking for more of that. And that's one of the reasons why we also bottle it a hundred proof as opposed to the standard 80 proof, uh, because we really want to highlight that, that agave. And, yeah. and, and by not diluting it, we're just getting more of that. You're not muting those flavors. So, and, and that's kind of like the magic of, of our Blanco to begin with. So what we wanted to do was really like turn that up a notch and just come out with with the 108 proof. I mean, so that was it was basically a still strength. The 108 was actually after we had the CRT test it, and then because they're the ultimate say as to what the actual percentage yeah. is. So, but that's what we ended up with was the 108. We didn't want to dilute it. We want to give people more more agave goodness. This this Blanco Nine is. It really is delicious. I mean, the legs on this thing, when you swirl in the glass, I mean, you you can tell these natural oils here, really great nose on this. This does not taste 
like it's higher proof. It drinks very easy, a little sweetness there, but it's all natural. There's nothing going on. You guys are hundred percent confirmed additive free. And this, this drinks really well. I, I would imagine this plays in a cocktail. I wouldn't want to put it in a cocktail cause I would just want to want to sip on it. That anise, it hangs on the tongue a little bit. I, I feel it on the after Jose, what are some of the flavor profiles that you're getting with this number nine Blanco? Agave, hundred percent. You know, it's it just it's like like uh, JP was saying, it's 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 in a in agave bomb right there. You know, yeah, really easy, really easy to drink. Yeah, we don't like to use the word smooth, but yeah. it's yeah, but yeah, easy to drink. I think is the easiest or the best way to describe it. And people will use that term just because that's just so it's such a common term. But easy to drink. You're not getting that burn. You're not getting ethanol. You know, a hit of ethanol. I mean, everybody has different palates. Tastes different things. I mean, you get the the anise. Uh, there's citrus. Yeah. I mean, I get sometimes depends on the day I'm drinking it. I, sometimes I even describe it as an umami type. You know, I know that kind of sounds a little bit weird, but Jose made a, a batango one time with it, and it was just you, you got to try it with it. I mean, it it is different than anything you've ever tried if you do it in a batanga. I don't know if it's with because of the salt, but it it's just it's a whole different drink. I mean, try try that one time and it'll blow you away. But I mean, I, I know we don't we don't I don't typically put this in a mixed drink, but it was just, it, it, it's so different like that. So for, for you at home, a Batanga is going to be Mexican Coke. So you've got that, that real cane sugar, lime juice, and then Blanco. And then the, the secret is to, to stir it with the knife that you cut that lime with for a Batanga. So this really would cut through at that higher proof. And a, and a pinch of salt. And a, a pinch of salt in there as well. So if you're looking for a good cocktail to make at home, you can you can go ahead and do it. Talk to me a little bit. Number nine. How, how are we getting the numbers? What, what is that? So, so there, there, there is a reason for, I mean, Colin kind of liked that number seven. So like, I think it's, a, it's sort of like recipe numbers, but really what it boils down to easy way to look at this is the number seven is our 80 proof. The number nine is our hundred proof. And then okay. our still strength is now a number 10. Okay. So you can look at those because we may have, I mean, you, we are boutique, we're small batch. So we're creative and we're always changing things and coming up with new, new things. So you, you could find like, so right now in our lineup, our Blanco is number nine, but that doesn't mean we won't ever come out with a number seven Blanco. You know, we could okay. have an 80 proof Blanco in the future. I'm, I'm, I, we don't have any plans to do that now, but I mean, that yeah. it, that could happen. Our Reposado is a number seven. So we do that and we kind of look at Reposados as sort of, it's, I look at it a little bit kind of as an entry to tequila. I mean, a lot of people start with Repos. So yeah. so to do an 80 proof, it, it, it makes a lot of sense because that's, you don't want to, a lot of people that are not used to drinking tequila, they're not going to, they're not going to start with a hundred proof. Yeah. Even though, even though our hundred proof is very easy to drink. A lot of people, when I let people taste this and I tell them afterwards that it's hundred proof, they, no way, you're kidding me. No way. Yeah. I, I wouldn't have picked up. I wouldn't have guessed that it's a hundred proof. Mm-hmm. I mean, like I said before, it, it drinks really easily. You know, to me, I get a little brininess. I mean, there's, there's, I mean, it's that vegetal, yeah. that agave, you know, as Jose said, agave bomb, that agave is so forward because you're not adding water to, to bring that back to really get that agave. And then, as you said, you've, you've got a still strength that is hotter. We did try that day. We, we tried a lot of things that, that day. So uh, I, I do remember tasting it. it. It is delicious. So you, you've got that. And you also have, I don't have in front of me, but you have a, a Hoven as well. Correct. The Hoven was a was a project. So Jose, we, we worked on it for for I don't know, probably four months or longer. But what we did is on one of our batches of agave, we brought in some Highland agave as a, as an experiment. Okay. So we brought some Highland agave in, and then what we did different on that is we actually did a second fermentation. We let it go into a malactic fermentation. Okay. So I don't know if you're familiar, like that's like Colin with his wine making experience. So yeah. 
Typically, people will do that to get a little bit more of a buttery flavor, a little more, little cheese, little funk. It's 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 different. So yeah. w- what we did is we did that with a Highland agave. After after the first fermentation is complete, then you let it do a second one. No, even more. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so we put that in barrels, and then we let that go for six months, and then so we pulled that out as a reposado. So now we have a Highland Highland agave reposado six months. And then what we did is we blended that with our, our Blanco. So we did a 60% our Lowland Agave Blanco, 33% of this Highland Agave Reposado that was malact- went into malacta fermentation. And then we blended another 7% of a four-year single barrel extra Añejo into it. And so, so a lot going on, a lot going on, super complex. It's very, very complex. I just uh, tasted this uh, over at the Monterey Tequila Festival. It was a hit. People were blown away by it. I mean, they just kept coming back and coming back and bringing their friends. And it was, <laughs> it, it was, people were blown away by it. Well, I'm sure it's something very different than what they Completely had. Completely different. With, with Colin's palate and. And it's a hundred proof too. And we did that too, just to keep, you know, again, to keep the concentrated flavors. But still probably easy to drink. Sure, sure. Of course. Yes. People aren't going to guess that it's a hundred proof. No. And with Colin's talent and his palate, I mean, that that was something, was there a lot of R&D to to get those numbers to go with the 33% this for him to get that final? Days and days and days and days. I mean, it, it, it was a lot of stuff. And like what we also do too, that's unique that a lot of other distilleries don't do is we assemble tasting panels. So whenever we're going to do, like, for example, on our extra Añejo, and same with even our last Reposado and this Hoven. So what we'll do is we'll open up, uh, it could be anywhere up to 15 barrels, and then we'll pull okay. stuff out of all the barrels. And again, we're small batch, so 15 barrels. Some people want to say, that's nothing. I mean, <laughs> but... It, but the barrel, I've seen the barrel room. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's small. not a lot of space no, there. We're, yeah. small. we're small. So we take all this, get different samples from all the barrels, and like look at each different color, obviously... Each bear, people, if, if you've ever done this, I mean, I would have never known this until I was doing this. You can be exact same amount of time in, in a barrel and each barrel is going to produce a completely different product. The color is going to be different. The flavor is going to be different. I, it, it, it's amazing what, what happens. Every, every barrel has its own personality and that's because the wood has its own personality and then there's different histories behind it. I mean, all of our barrels are, are virgin to tequila, Okay. but, and then what we do is we, we, we rework them. So Colin works with the Cooper Smith. So we'll get the barrels. Colin will always inspect every barrel. We hand select those barrels. Then we bring them to a Cooper Smith that we work with. Then Colin works with them to rework the barrels. So then we'll put different levels of char in the barrels too. Okay. So now we have different components to work with. So we'll have stuff with a light char and a heavy char. I mean, and that, and that produces a different flavor profiles. And then we're able to oh, use yeah. those to blend. Going back to the panels, we'll take that. Everybody will taste it, get tasting notes. And then from there, we can determine how we're going to blend things. And of course we use our own palettes, but I mean, it helps to have outside sources. You're getting, you know, this, uh, you know, an unbiased opinion. I mean, they don't, they don't, yeah. they don't care what, 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 you know, what, what barrel, where it came from, what it is. They just tell you what tastes good. And we'll yeah. use people that are alumni from the tequila colleges. We bring in professors from the tequila college. We bring in other distillers from other distilleries. And then there's some bloggers. So basically when we did that, that was how we came up with our single barrel extra Nejo. Because everybody was just completely enamored by that particular one. They said, whatever you do, don't do not do anything to that. That, that has to, got to stay like that. You got to sell that as a single barrel. Pull it out of the barrel now. Don't let it age anymore. And that's what we did. But I mean, we get a lot of really good feedback from people like that. And like on our Reposado, that's how we blended our last four. Bar- we used four barrels out of those 15 to, to produce our, our last, our latest Reposado. And that also helped us with a Hoven too. We did the same thing. And we tried our Hoven 
at all different kinds of percentages of Blanco and uh, Extra Añejo and the Reposado. We also tried it at all different proofs. We tried it at everything from an 80 proof to a 100 proof, it, everything in between there. It basically, I mean, it's, it's a labor of love. I mean, you can only do so much a day. So that's why when we go down, we have to spend a lot of time doing this because you'll get palate fatigue. So we'll taste for a couple hours maybe. So what we'll do is do that and then come back the next day and then come back the next day. And then, and then when we kind of settle on something, then we'll, we'll wait and then come back and try it again and just make sure that it's still where we remembered it from the day before, you know, so, and then let other people try it. So it's, it's pretty laborious, but I think at the end of the day, it's worth it. A long process to, to get that hoven there. So we, we've got this Blanco, the, the hoven, and then you talked about this Reposado. We've got the number seven Reposado. Jose, talk to me about this. I and mean, the, these barrels here, he was saying the last four of those barrels blended for this Reposado. What, what, what was that profile that you guys were going for with this Reposado? We actually were completely out of Reposado. So we needed a Reposado for us, the new batch of, it actually just arrived last Thursday, I believe. So okay. we had we had the 15 barrels. It was uh, the Blanco that we had just produced. We put it into the new barrels that we had. And we were looking for, like, like JP was saying, it's like the gateway for new tequila drinkers, right? So we yeah. wanted something easy to drink, too. The good color. We four of those met. Like one of them didn't have as much color, but they, but they had the good the good flavor. So we blended those four barrels. About twelve hundred bottles. That's our batch is a small batch. Twelve hundred bottles of of reposado, which have just arrived for a few days ago in California. Yeah, I mean th- this is very light on the color. It's not super dark here. And as we said before, there's nothing going on here. I mean, you guys are one hundred percent confirmed additive free. The nose is is really delicious. I mean, there is that natural sweetness here. And I get the, some of that sweetness on the palate. I mean, this is something that I would think for someone who's not familiar with tequila, and if they're coming from the whiskey world, you let them try this and they're going to go, okay, yeah, I can live here. That That's what, especially when we get into our Añejos and our extra Añejo. I mean, we we're yep. getting a lot of bourbon and whiskey drinkers that are coming over. I mean, because if you look at they're just they're dealing with a neutral spirit that is just influenced by oak and so and they're tasting mostly oak and that's what they're looking for I mean, but with tequila i mean we've got the agave as its base its foundation and so what we're trying to do is we don't want to over oak it we don't want to blow away that that agave that everybody loves right. and but we want to i kind of skipped over this but the i i think i read somewhere that like whiskey has maybe 300 different unique flavor compounds and and whereas tequila has over 600. So tequila is a much more complex spirit. So we want to honor that, of course, right? So you want to have that, that agave that's still there, but then get the influences of the, of the wood, the good stuff, you know, the, the butterscotch and the vanilla and the caramel and, you know, those, that, that natural sweetness that you get from the wood, but then it rests on that agave core, that agave center. I think that's when you hit that, when you finally nail it, when you get that, when you're not just tasting a oak bomb. I mean, I, I think they just, yeah. some people do that. They just over oak their tequilas and you don't even know it's tequila anymore. And with our, with our product line, like for example, Reposal, we don't have like a set time. We don't know if it's going to be two months, three months, four okay. months, 11 months. It all Age depends on taste. Exactly. Exactly. That's, that's what we're looking for. I mean, we, it's not going to be always be identical. You know, we're not McDonald's. We're not, we're not producing, uh, you know, the only way really to truly do that is with additives and we're not going to do that. So again, we do everything to taste. The only thing we can really do is guarantee that it's going to be delicious. Again, with the fruit, it's going to be different between batch to batch. I mean, obviously the process is the same. I mean, so it's going to be Cuscanes, but you're going to, from batch to batch, you're going to notice some small differences. 
some variations there. Yeah, again, this is nature. It, it is what it is. The soil, depending on those agave, starting all the way there, how much rain they're getting, how much you know wind they're getting, where they are if their water's running through them or piling up. I mean, all of those things come into play to give it those flavor profiles and to change it. And when you've got different charring on the barrels and you're blending, I, I would think from batch to batch, there, there's going to be, you know, that foundation's there. The framework of Cascanes is, is here with it. But to me, I think that's the exciting part mm-hmm. to go, hey, here's a new batch. Right. What are you picking up with this one right. versus the other one? And you go back and forth and you get to compare them. So, so what we're working on now is a project that Jose and I are working on. So I like, I become a complete tequila nerd. So uh, at this point, like I've got, I mean, I, just in my own, I've got, I don't know, you, it looks like you've got a pretty good collection there yourself, but I've, I've got over 140 bottles. And, okay. and so I'm, I'm still, I'm still, I'm still getting deeper and deeper. That's a, that's just the start, you know? I'm not allowed to put up any more shelves. Oh, really? Uh, that's, no, no more shelves. One of my shelves already <laughs> collapsed. I put so much on it. I so. <laughs> that's my fear. That is my fear. That so, keeps me awake at night. <laughs> so... So what, what we're working on now is every single batch of agave we're getting through and through the entire process is we're documenting everything. So it, at some point in the near future, here you'll be able to either type in the batch number or, or put it like there'll be a QR code. And then you'll be able to tell where the agave came from, you know, which, which estate, like the, the elevation, the bricks levels, yep. and then basically go through every step of the process. So you can compare that, those different, and for example, it's an age variety, how long it was aged what it was aged in. We may even, cause in the future we're looking at getting some, maybe some French oak, you know, maybe blending okay, some of that. We, have, we haven't done that yet. Everything's just all American oak, you know, ex bourbon yeah. barrels, but this is the kind of stuff that we're, this is going through our heads. This is the stuff that we're looking to do. Yeah. I know Colin had talked about getting some rum barrels. So the, these are all to be continued. You know what I mean? That's it's, we're, we're looking for these things in the future. A lot of experimenting. Mm-hmm. Well, look, I love that you're not at a distillery that has 20 brands or a hundred brands. You've got to my knowledge, two brands That's there. It. And and yeah. that gives you guys a lot of opportunity to say, hey, why don't we try this? Why don't we experiment with this? Why don't we bring in these barrels and try this? So I, I love that you guys are, are willing to push the boundaries and to see, again, all while keeping that foundation, that recipe. I mean, this is an old recipe that, that you guys from Humberto, that you learned from mm-hmm. uh, a very old recipe, but to keep it at its core, but to also test the boundaries and say, well, why don't we try these barrels and things like that? This Reposado, it, it's, it's delicious. It's fantastic. For anybody who is getting into tequila, tequila for them to sip this they would have no problem just enjoying this if if you're a whiskey lover like you said that entry level this is where you would go okay i now understand how good tequila can be and guys along with all these tequilas you you've won quite a bit of awards with this tell me a little bit about what awards you've won for your tequilas so for 2017 we won san francisco wine and spirits double gold 2018 we got another double gold we got a best unaged spirit best tequila Best overall tequilas. Yeah, best overall. I mean, so I think we pretty much swept the swept it in 2018, and uh, we kind of stopped entering because it's pretty expensive to enter. Okay. Then we've got 2020. I think it was the 2020 or 21. Oh, we got 20. bartender spirit award gold. We got a the um, I think one one enthusiast. They were only doing reposado the year that we sent it in. We got 92 points there. The beverage testing institute gave us golds across the board. We got. Best Blanco to that. So we got 95 points for the Blanco, 94 for the Repo, 94 for the Añejo. We got Best Blanco of 2020, Best uh, Reposado of 2020. So again, I mean, that was, we did great there. So, I mean, almost every competition we enter, we get a gold. 
So it's kind of like, okay, each time a competition comes up, we'll just send something in. And it's, it's been pretty exciting. The San Francisco Experience Awards, they put us on the map. Like we came in, put our samples, and then won 2017, then 2018. So at that moment, Julio Bermejo, who I believe you've heard of him. Yeah, Tommy's Margarita. Yes, uh, he was one of the judges. He, I actually, he actually flew from uh, San Francisco to Mexico to see to see who we were. Because I was like, who's this tequila that all of a sudden is you know winning everything? And it, and it was really because he just came in knocking at the door. Just trying to get in and see what what was going on. That he wanted to know who we were. He he flew down. He was one of the judges at the 2017 San Francisco Wine and Spirits. Well, we didn't even we didn't even know we had already won. Yeah, we yeah. He just flew down literally after he tasted it, and then he won. He was like, "What is going on here?" He broke the news to you. He said, "You guys don't know this, but you won." <laughs> <laughs> so he came down. Yeah, it's crazy, right? So so you've won a lot of awards, and we're not even done yet. And so now you have this añejo. Tell me what's going on with the añejo. I think the one you're drinking is probably around 18 months, right, Jose? Yeah, I, I remember that. No, you actually have the bottle, and it's uh, it was 18 months. Okay, so 18 months, X bourbon barrels. What, what are we doing for the blend here for the Sanejo? Correct, same thing. I mean, it's it's same basic we're going through, and we're blending barrels to get that flavor profile that we're looking for. the The only difference would be on those on the XA when we did the single barrel, but there may be more single barrels to come. I mean, don't be surprised if you see like some single barrel reposados maybe even some single barrel añejos. We're going to be pushing the boundaries. I mean, I don't know if you can... You're, you're, you're teasing a lot here, John Paul. <laughs> you're, 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 you're making us want to know what's next as you're teasing a lot of things. There's a lot of could-bes. Yeah. There's a lot of could-bes here with this. So this is a number number seven añejo. So this is also at that uh, 40%, that 80 proof for this añejo. Jose, what are you getting from this añejo? This caramel. Caramel, I mean, I know we don't like to say that, but you get it, that sweetness... And yep. it's just that oak. But what I like about our Añejos is, like what JP was saying, they're not over-oaked. I mean, you have it, but the agave still pulls forward. And the same happens with our extra Añejo. That's what makes it so unique. But all that is because of the good base that we have, which is our Cascanes Blanco. Having a good base of our Blanco is what has uh, always kept us in, in a good in a good position with our products. Yeah, I get a little bit of, I mean, a little baking spice, that caramel, a little bit of vanilla there. It's not hot. I mean, none of these have a burn. I mean, we we were there, Jose, you had me try, what, what did we try? Some of the heads or tails or some, we, we tried some things that, you know, we were, you, you have to spit out and, and, and there's there's that heat there. But it it is not here with any of these expressions for Cascanes. Well, we do have a special technique that we work with on Chico, specifically for that reason, so that our tequilas are easy to drink. They're not going to – you get the full flavor of the agave, the oak, the good, you know, it's 80 proof, in this case, or añejo, but we still do that process. It off-gasses a lot of the ethanol, so you're not getting – I mean, that's what happens a lot of these guys. They don't do that. I mean, that's why a lot of people like to rest their tequila, you know, in stainless steel barrels for – Yep. you know, weeks or months or whatever the case they yeah, do. Let it stabilize a little stabilize. bit. Yeah. I mean, so we can do that and, and we do it in a different process that's ours. And it, so it gets rid of a lot of that ethanol that, that would just burn your throat, you know, yeah. choke your nose out, you know what I mean? All those kind of things. So it, it's, yeah, I, th- I think I tried some. It, yeah. You probably got, well, if you got it before, before we did our process, you're going to, that's, yeah, that's yeah. what happens. <laughs> it's, yeah, definitely. So, and then you guys were pushing it. When we were there, we saw where they, I mean, it was a little room for even the bottling. 
I mean, it was, it held, there was one female in there doing the labeling and, and it, there wasn't a whole lot of other room there. And I think she was doing labels for an extra Añejo. So you guys have, I mean, a full lineup here with the extra Añejo. Is the extra Añejo, is that a, a special run? Is that something that's easily available? How many bottles of the extra Añejo? And is that at that standard three-year mark? Or what are we doing with the extra Añejo? So we have two different extra Añejos right now. We have a single barrel extra Añejo that I was telling you before where the panel said, hey, you have to single this barrel out. I don't know. That was number okay. s- barrel number seven. I don't know. I, I think it was, I think it was barrel number seven. Was. Barrel number seven. Okay. Basically, we got 180 bottles, and that was it. And so, what we did to kind of honor that because it was just—I mean, it's just amazing, right? I mean, it's just a phenomenal product. And so, what what Jose and I did, and we went we went down. We were in Guadalajara. We found a, a local craftsman who uh, is a woodworker, and we worked with him to produce a, a handmade perota wood box. And perota wood is—it's indigenous to Mexico. So we kind of wanted to do everything that was like local to Mexico and kind of keep everything there. So we use the Perota wood. It's a beautiful wood. It's used in Mexico a lot for furniture and things like that. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, okay. it, it's a really nice wood. And so we produced a, a gift set box with that wood. And then we put two Jarito nosing glasses that were hand blown also in Guadalajara into the packaging. And then as a uh, packing material, we used some shredded agave from one of our last productions. Oh, wow. Yeah. So we saved that, washed it, and then we used that in the in the bottle to kind of nestle the glasses in. And then each one of those bottles gets a certificate of authenticity. Colin signs those. There's a there's a wax seal on it. it it's just a, a really nice presentation, a leather hinge, a leather handle. And like I said, that's only 180 bottles. And we did those. Those are $4.99 each. And I think out of those 180 bottles, at this point in time, we might have around 40 bottles left. So okay. a lot of those sold. I mean, but if you have anybody that wants any, let us know and we can we can make yeah, that happen. R- real treat that experience there with yeah. the presentation for that extra Añejo. Talked about you have two different extra Añejos. Tell me a little bit about that second extra Añejo that you have. So so basically that that single barrel extra Añejo we did was just so delicious. Obviously we had to we had to come up with something that a little bit more. So we did have a couple more barrels. So we took three barrels and we blended that and we made another an extra extra Añejo that's not in the gift set or anything like that, but it it's still phenomenal. I mean, I, I really enjoy it. It's not as, I mean, it's, it's close, but it's not quite as good as that single barrel, but it is a delicious product. It is amazing. And that just actually landed in California, I think last Thursday. So and there's only 65 cases of that. So if you are able to get it, get it because we won't have an extra Ñejo again for at least two years because it's something that happened, you know? And you asked, it was 37 months is what that was aged for. Okay. So just a little over there, three years for that mark mm-hmm. for that extra Ñejo. You, you said how many cases of it? 60 some cases? 65 cases. I think it's around 400, 400 something 400, bottles. 400, yeah, 400 bottles. Yeah. That's it. So 400 bottles, that's still available. You can find it here and there. If you can find it, grab it. Delicious lineup all the way through. Before I let you guys go, talk to me a little bit about, you know, you're active on social media, uh, website, where we can find this. If if I can't find Cascanes, uh, is, is there any online retailers that I can use to get it shipped to me? We, you can find us at, at Drink Cascanes, and that's our handle on all the social medias. You can go to our website, Cascanes.com. You can purchase directly on the website. There's also other online retailers that sell the product. You can go to fermentandstill.com. They carry the full line. And Old Town Tequila. And I've Old Town Old Tequila, Tequila, correct. And I just talked to Roman and, and Z this weekend, and they'll be picking up uh, all the new stuff also. Those two, I mean, those two can cover pretty much between Ferment and Still and Old Town Tequila. I mean, those those two cover the whole, whole U.S. So, uh, and then we're distributed by Southern in California here. 
So if there's, okay. it, it, we can also, if, if, they keep, if someone doesn't work with Southern or whatever the case may be, they, we can also self-distribute so they can always get in contact with us and we can get them the, the product if they have a liquor store. Colorado just came on board with Momentum, so they're a distributor out there. We also are distributed in Georgia from, with Savannah, uh, Savannah Distributors, and then in Kansas, uh, BJS Distributing. And then there's okay, more so to growing come. markets there. Yeah, yeah grow, growing the markets there. Mm-hmm. And and you do have an online presence to where if, if you're not in one of those markets, you can have it shipped to you. So guys, I just want to say thank you so much for for sharing the story, for being on the show. And and again, want to encourage anybody, if you have not tasted Cascanes, pick it up and see what's happening in the future. Cause it sounds like there's a lot of neat things gonna be happening in the future. John Paul, Jose, thank you guys so much for being on the show. Thanks for having, thank us, you for having us. Appreciate it. Appreciate yeah, take it. care, guys. That was John Paul Fortunati and Jose Santian with Cascanes Tequila. To learn more about the brand, you can go to cascanestequila.com. Be sure to follow me on Instagram at Agave Social Club. And as you're thinking of gift ideas for this holiday season, I have a few spots left for private virtual tastings with multiple options for a fun experience where I lead you through a private tasting. You can email me at theagavesocialclub at gmail.com or reach out to me via Instagram. I'm Doug Price, and thanks for listening. (laughs) 